The contents of this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute financial advice or consider individual circumstances. Please seek your own independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice before making investment decisions. Welcome back to Decoding Crypto with me, Ed Stott, and my co-host, Ben Simpson. We are thrilled to have you here. In this episode, we wanted to explain to you what exactly Bitcoin is. During the bear market, it has held up better than any other cryptocurrency, and it has really proved how resilient it is. That is fundamentally due to the fact that Bitcoin is so different to every other cryptocurrency. So in this episode, we really want to take that apart, go back to basics, explain why Bitcoin is so different, what qualities it has, and why it's held up so well during the this bear market that we're experiencing. So Ben, how are you doing? I'm good, Ed. I'm, I'm excited. Bitcoin's my favorite. So this is, um, I'm going to have fun. Bitcoin's my favorite. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, explain to me really simply, if no one, if you don't understand cryptocurrency, if you're really new, what is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a digital form of money. So just like we've got $10 in our wallets that you can touch and, and see, Bitcoin is just another native currency, just like you've got the Japanese yuan or the New Zealand dollar or the US dollar. Bitcoin is just another form of money, but it's a digital money. So you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. It's backed by a technology called blockchain, which is basically software. If you think about a computer program, Bitcoin is one of the most secure computer programs that runs this new you know, monetary system, this new ability to transact and use money in a digital format. So Bitcoin is trying to change the way we value money. Because right now, the only reason you and I agree that the money in our pocket or our wallet is there is because we both believed it to be true. And if you go back a number of years, you used to be able to switch in your uh, your your money in your pocket to the bank and go get gold. Gold used to back money like it used to be dollar for dollar and they moved away from that system and one of the most the, i guess the biggest thing what bitcoin's trying to solve is the ability for governments to print more money so in the recent uh you know covid situation the u.s government printed i think somewhere between three to five trillion dollars and at you know at a really simple level they go over to their hp printer and hit the print button and they just print all this money and what happens when you print so much money is that it devalues the, the currency, right? So another way to explain that is if if there's only one Mars bar left in the world and there will never be any more Mars bars created, and Ed, you and I love Mars bars, like we're going to, you know, we're going to try and fight oh for that boy, Mars bar. Oh boy, Bitcoin and Mars bars, that's my thing. <laughs> we're going to be paying a lot of money for those Mars bars. But if all of a sudden Mars, you know, Mars create all these more Mars bars and there's now thousands of Mars bars between us, like we're not going to pay that much money for it because it's just easy to go and access. It's a, v- a very similar mm. way to think about money. So what Bitcoin does is Bitcoin has a what's called a limited supply. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever created. No one can ever change that. It's hard-coded into the, in the software and it creates this um, limited supply monetary system which allows the currency to be not inflationary, which normal money is because people print more money, it becomes deflationary because there's there's going to be um, never created more, uh, never more than 21 million ever created, which is what is probably the most exciting thing that 
I, I, I like about Bitcoin. Mm. The other thing about it is that it is an immutable ledger, right? So it can't be changed. Once the blockchain has been created, because all these links are linked together, this immutable ledger that goes back to the beginning of blockchain that's accessible by anybody, anybody can see it. And one of the misconceptions about Bitcoin is that it's very shady, nobody really knows what's going on, which is completely untrue because of this blockchain technology. And that's one of the most remarkable things about Bitcoin, isn't it, too? That it is this immutable, unchangeable ledger. And that's why it's so revolutionary, because when we have new ways of keeping ledgers and storing that kind of financial data, that's when really big financial revolutions happen, right? Totally agree. So if you think about an analogy of how ledgers are stored right now, like ledgers are basically just a... a storage device or storage unit so let's say in australia we want to transact i want to send you some money ed because you owe me because i lent you an apple you know we have to go through combank (laughs) right combank knows how much money we have and they are the middleman they allow that transaction to happen bitcoin doesn't have a middleman and that ledger that information that knows what each person that uses the network how much money they have and how they transact is owned by everyone, not just one individual person. So it goes from this centralized system to a decentralized system, which has a lot of benefits because it means that uh, no one government, person, business, collective, group, whoever can stop or change the Bitcoin network. So that's why when people say, oh, well, what happens if someone bans it? Well, they can, but you can't shut it down, right? It's the power of the network. It's the power of the fact that this thing is immutable, it's a blockchain. It's backed by cryptographic, the highest level security and code there is on the on the planet. And it's never in its existence uh, ever gone down. There's never been a single second that the Bitcoin network's gone down. So it's one of the strongest computer you know networks in the in the world. Uh, and that's another really you know exciting exciting factor. Going back to that decentralization, I mean the fact that. We don't know who created Bitcoin. You know, this we have this pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. We don't know whether it was a man, a woman, a group of people, an organization. We have absolutely no idea who created Bitcoin. And that in turn makes it even more decentralized because unlike other cryptocurrencies, for example, Ethereum, you know, we know Vitalik Buterin, he is the guy who created it. He often cops a lot of flag, is, you know, told to make decisions, kind of steers the ship in that regard. Whereas Bitcoin, people talk about this immaculate conception, the fact that it was just made and gifted to us. And it's this remarkable technology. But because no one is at the top or we don't know who was at the top, it also makes it so much more decentralized so that nobody has one sway or one decision over where Bitcoin goes and how the market moves, which I think is also amazing. And the other thing that you mentioned there um, about Bitcoin not being inflationary, you know, you said, you know, that it's unlike governments, we can't print more money. So as we, you know, more Bitcoins are mined because we only have that 21 million cap, Bitcoin is eventually going to be worth more, which is a revolutionary financial system. The fact that it's deflationary is quite remarkable. Uh, And, you know, obviously recently uh, we saw El Salvador introduce Bitcoin as legal tender for a country like that with an economy that is not like that of Australia's. That's quite amazing, isn't it, Ben? 
yeah, I think we take for granted, or not to take for granted, but we don't see what happens in some of these third world countries. Like you mentioned, El Salvador, Zimbabwe is another example where their local currency has inflated so much because the, the central banks and the governments, back to that printer analogy, go and print money and a loaf of bread could be worth you know, $100 or $1,000. Like it just basically inflates away the value of the local currency. So some of these smaller countries, people are uh, choosing to accept Bitcoin or transact in Bitcoin because they know that no government or bank or institution can actually you know, influence the network. Right, so if you've if if you've lost all trust or lost all respect, I guess for your local government, their ability to control the monetary system, you're going to look for something that you you can trust. And what better thing to trust than a, basically a trustless compu- computer network that, that has no ability to change what it's set out to do? Like it is what it is. And uh, back to your point around the centralization aspect. It's like something out of the movies when you think about it, like this this magical thing of, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto created this thing. But what that did was allowed, you know, it allowed Bitcoin as what it is to be the thing that grew the value, not Vitalik Buterin or not like the CEO of a company, right? When you think about a company or no a, a product or something. There's no, no branding. Marketing. No, there's no marketing budget. Yeah. The marketing is the product itself. It's the most natural form of growth. The most natural form of organic growth. Bitcoin isn't running Facebook ads. <laughs> you know, mm, like this yeah. is just this is only growing purely through the value it creates. And um, yeah. yeah, we're both getting a bit excited here. The, but <laughs> the other, yeah, I know, right? We're just nerding out over here. The other thing that I think is really interesting about Bitcoin, when I've interviewed a guy named Vijay Boyapati in the past, he wrote an amazing article called The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, which has um, been made into a book too. When I was talking to him, he talks about the fact that, you know, one of the reasons that Bitcoin is so prominent and perhaps why it has survived the bear market so well is that it has something called the network effect. So in the same way that Facebook has the network effect, you know, you and I, Ben, we could get together, we could start our own social media platform. But who's going to join because nobody else is on our social media platform? It's just you and I talking the same old rubbish. So no one's going to join. Well, Bitcoin has that same network effect as Facebook. Like there are so many people on the network who are bought in, who are invested in this, you know, who are using Bitcoin, that it has much more power than so many other of the smaller cryptocurrencies too. The other thing is that we've seen a lot of big companies invest in Bitcoin in particular. Why is that, Ben? So if you've got to think some of these big companies, so let's use Tesla, for example. Tesla is a multi-billion dollar company that has a, multiple billions of dollars in cash in their account. So, you know, inflation for us, we get hit on the, you know, the fuel, the fuel tank or the petrol station, it costs, costs an extra, you know, 20 or $30. You know, when you're talking billions of dollars, the inflation that they get hit is 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 much more at a massive scale, right? So they're starting to rotate some of their cash into Bitcoin as one a bit of a, an inflation hedge to protect against that debasement of the the normal monetary system, but also as a way to diversify their portfolio as well. Just like people diversify their stock portfolio, Bitcoin is now being recognised as another way to diversify your overall investments. So you're seeing Tesla. 
micro strategy. Uh, Jack Dorsey uh, is, is buying the old CEO of Twitter uh, in one of his new companies. So a lot of these uh, major like NASDAQ listed companies are, are buying massive amounts of Bitcoin for their balance sheet. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm always a big component of uh, following much more smarter people than you and I, Ed, than seeing what they're doing, right? <laughs> um, so it's just another, just another way Bitcoin's being used. Yeah, really interesting. Well, I think we've given a pretty good explanation there. As always, if anybody has any questions, send us an email. We would love to answer them. Crypto at novapodcast.com.au. Thanks so much, Ben. Thank you, Ed. I had lots of fun talking about Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Always. It's hard not to have fun when you're talking about Bitcoin. (laughs) All right. Catch you next time. See ya.